Hey, Ray. Now we're good. We got that working. Now we're good. Everybody, thank you for joining me. This is Ray Marcano. My name is Justin Cost, and I'm interviewing people in the Dayton area, talking to them about their future goals, their successes, and getting to know just the community a little bit more. Uh, not just arts and entertainment, but um, all different facets of our community. So, Ray, thank you for being here. Thanks for talking with me. Um, love, sure. love the backyard view. I've always... Uh, noticed that you've been a great supporter of mine. You've done things for me. You've been generous. You've been really kind. You listen to my music. I know there was a time where my first album came out and you sat in the car with me and listened to it. Um, you've hooked me up with the job at Dayton Daily News. Um, you know, allowing me to help you work on your own music, I, I'm, I'm really grateful for. And you've just been a really good leader in the Dayton community. Um, we met uh, because I moved next to you. I was two houses down and. Um, so you are uh, also a friend of, of my parents. Just to give, go over a little bit of what you've done, I know it's not all, but you were a TED Talk speaker for Dayton. You're a songwriter. You are a guest speaker. You work for Dayton Daily News as an editor, a keyboard player for the Mine Reels on occasion, and uh, a great cook. Did I hit most of that? I don't know that I'd say a great cook. I can certainly find my way around the kitchen, but, you know, I do okay. Hey, I really enjoy the photos that you drop, and everything that you make looks great, as well as Patty. Patty does some mean cooking, also, and I've had some of that food myself, so I, you know, I'm a, I'm a good firsthand opinion. One of my favorite quotes of yours is, "While everyone is entitled to their own opinion, no one is entitled to their own facts." What does that mean to you? Well, I mean that's pretty simple. I yeah. mean, everything is so uh, polarized nowadays that facts are now becoming what you believe, not objective facts. Uh, so everybody can have an opinion. You can, for example, uh, have an opinion on whether or not a city in our community spends too much money. But you should also objectively look at how they spend that money and see if they're running a deficit. And if the facts tell you otherwise, then at least be open to changing your mind. Most people nowadays have minds like quick-drying cement. Once they make it up, that's it. Yeah, great analogy. So do you think that we should limit the amount of opinions in the news cycle and the, the so-called talking heads that we see constantly with um, the major networks? No, but I think what we should do is clearly label what's news, what's opinion, what's analysis. Uh, most people don't understand that. It confuses people. So, And I, I guess the media in trouble. So you're always now nowadays going to have news, opinion, and analysis blending in. Whether I think that's unfortunate or, it's unfortunate or not is beside the point. That's what's happening. But I think it would help a lot of people if, you know, uh, especially in cable news, they would come on and say, all right, this is news. We are simply going to tell you what the news is. And now we've got somebody who's going to analyze it. And now we've got somebody who's going to give their opinion on it giving their opinion on it doesn't mean that it's news. It just means it's their opinion. Right. Yeah, we don't see that a lot. They need to specify for sure. Do you think the media focuses mostly on negativity? No. It's been a complaint for all the years that I've been in media. Uh, the media is not uh, rel uh, rel relentlessly, excuse me, relentlessly focus on negativity. They're focused on what the news is. 
unfortunately today with a, with a uh, polarized media as well, um, you're going to have people on the right and people on the left who go to specific places for their information, and they will consider the other news source negative. So if you're a fan of Fox, you consider MSNBC negative. If you're a fan of MSNBC, you consider Fox negative. Do you feel like that's causing a wider independent gap? Or even, a, 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 like a, I'll say this this way, a greater uh, independent uh, population? Well, no, it's not, it's not resulting in more independence. It's resulting in further polarization. Okay, so what you're saying is it's continuing to polarize, and there's not many people that are saying, look, I'm not on either side. I, I'm, I think that's, that's what we uh, would like to see, I would think, maybe a little bit, because the more that they pull, uh, the more we get further away from what this country really stands for, wouldn't you agree? Well, when you say, you know, uh, independence, if you're talking about uh, independent and, uh, I guess, moderate news sources, uh, there's almost no such thing anymore. Uh, if you're talking about independent voters, that's a different thing because, uh, you know, in the electorate, independents, Democrats, and Republicans are pretty much split a third, a third, a third. Okay. But in terms of media, uh, you have left-leaning media, you have right-leaning media. Uh, you have a few channels that try to be uh, just try to play it straight, but what those channels have quickly figured out is that if you try to play it straight, uh, you don't have a, a bullhorn to just yell and scream about something. It hurts your ratings. Right. So you know they start going down that path as well, and I just think that's bad for everybody. It's bad for the media. It's bad for the public. I agree. What news sources do you rely on? <laughs> New York Times, Washington Post, Politico, 538.com, Real Clear Politics. Uh, those are just a few. Those, that's the news uh, aspect of it. Now, I also read the English language version of Pravda, the Russian newspaper, as well as The Guardian in, uh, in London, because they're both free online. Okay. Uh, for sports, all kinds of stuff, because uh, I'm a sports fanatic. So if there's sports news, I'll read it. I'm a huge fan of NPR. Oh, I love NPR. Listen to them. I could listen to them all day. It's not just political news. It's entertainment news. But also, um, there, there's a lot of fun facts that they throw at you. There's a lot of really, I would call, cute news stories that are, are always interesting and kind of brighten your day. So Yeah, I, I think of every news source to be like NPR, NPR we all know. I agree. I agree. Um. How long did you work for Dayton Daily News? Well, uh, I'll break that up. I'll answer that question a little differently. I worked for Cox Media Group for 30 years. Okay. Uh, and, a and in that time, I worked for the Dayton Daily News for 24 of them, I believe, uh, before I went over to uh, work on the corporate side of the business. Okay. And what did you prefer? What did you like better? Well, I mean, I liked it all. I mean, I think I'm really fortunate to be able to have the career that I've had, uh, exploring and writing and editing about the things that I had. I liked every bit of it. I can tell you, the favorite, my favorite job that I ever had was sports editor. That was amazing. To be in your early 30s, uh, running around covering sports for a living, sign me up for that. 
Now, you did one for food, too, and I think I make fun of this, so I call it the Big Belly Brigade, which isn't correct. What is it? What is it? What is it really called? What is it? Yeah, was... that was the Lead Belly Boys. That's the right. Which three uh, was me and Ron Rollins and Jim Dillon. We'd get out, scroll around town, uh, taste, uh, you know, burgers, pancakes, whatever, and write silly things about it. And to our surprise, it turned out to be uh, one of the biggest things the newspaper did in our time there. Oh, I we love it. I still can't believe how popular it is. I have not done one of those, I think, in 12 years. And people still ask me uh, why we, why they haven't seen us in the newspaper recently. Well, your caricatures were on point, that's for sure. Well, they made me look better, which is hard to do. Oh, I don't know about that. Hey, tell me, how fun was it to do a TED Talk? That was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, people, some people find it stressful because you're getting up and you've got to memorize an eight or nine minute talk, um, you know, that you're going to deliver before 1300 people. But I've done stuff like that before. No, you did it like a pro. Yeah, I've done that before. Not before that. Well, I may have done a couple before that many people, but you know, I've done all kinds of talks, uh, throughout my career. So doing it was not that wasn't stressful for me. Yeah, you've spoken at other colleges, I believe, correct? Oh, colleges, industry groups, uh, yeah, you name it. I've spoken a whole bunch of places. That's great. Talk to me about tribalism as it pertains to the Civil War. You had mentioned that in your TED Talk, and I'm interested in talking about that a little bit. Well, I was drawing an analogy with that. Uh, the analogy I was drawing was that today's tribalism is dangerous for society. And that tribalism is what started the Civil War. Right. You have people in the North and people in the South who believed two very different things. Nobody wanted to compromise or agree, even though the thing they were trying to compromise and agree on is arguably the biggest, one of the biggest stains on this nation's consciousness, which is slavery. Right. Uh, but tribalism started that war. And that was the analogy that I was trying to draw, that uh, tribalism is extremely bad for everybody, and we have to begin thinking about things uh, in a more respectful way, uh, in a deeper way, uh, and we have to stop thinking that the other person is stupid simply because they hold a view that's different from yours. Yeah, we live in a world now where um, a lot it means for – there's a lot that uh, means for, for – uh, for people when it comes to uh, their culture and their personality. There's there's a, such diversity is what I'm trying to say anymore that we, we can't argue that. And one thing that I always think about is segregation and Martin Luther King and that he, he made a point that there's still an issue from the Civil War hundreds of years ago, um, you know, after it happened and creating, um, you know, more of an issue and more of a buildup of a problem. And that's one of the reasons we're at where we are today and just the assassinations of John F. Kennedy and Robert Kennedy and Malcolm X and, and um, you know, many others trying to stand up for peace and for, for love and people getting, getting along and getting together as a country is the most important thing we could do. It could strengthen us tremendously. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the problem that I've had about it. And it's a very upsetting that we're still here today. Wouldn't you agree? Well, it's also, it's not, shouldn't be surprising. I think people are, so let me, how, how do I put this? I think 
that well-meaning white folks are re remain stunned that we have not come further than we have. Uh, because they don't see racism in their daily lives. They don't have racist feelings. They are uh, they have either family members or friends who are black, so they're going, like, I, I don't see the issue. Right. But what people forget is that we are not that far away from the end of systematic, legalized racial segregation in this country. So here's, a, here's, a, here's the way I like to explain to it to people. So, so they can look at it in a different way. You have Plessy versus Ferguson, I think it was 1896, that actually uh, legalized systematic discrimination in the United States with a separate but equal ruling by the Supreme Court. They didn't reverse that until till Brown versus Board of Education in 1956, I believe. Right. Then it took another 20 years after that for the last court decision that outlined busing for racial segregation. That's just 1975. That's 40 years ago, right? Right. Well, 45 years ago. That's a generation and a half. Generation's 30 years. Right. So if you have people uh, raising kids in the 1970s with racist feelings, angered because uh, their school is going to be desegregated, a portion of them Maybe not a lot, but a portion of them are going to impart those racist feelings onto their kids. Mm -hmm. Those kids today are in their late 40s, early 50s. Right. So the fact that racism is still here shouldn't surprise people. We are not that far away from taking the first step to getting rid of the vestiges of that. Yeah. It comes from a fear of the unknown. And people not being comfortable with change, ultimately. Um, so yeah, I'm with you on that. Should we um, get rid of the 24-hour news cycle or at least slow it down? Well, no, we shouldn't. Um, because, you know, in this country, uh, government doesn't interfere in the news process. In the news process. And I think what we should do, and when I say we, I think what the media should do, and it's what we talked about earlier, they should clearly label what their programs are. So that way people clearly understand what's news, what's analysis, what's opinion. And then if people want to have their own opinion, you go for it. But when people think Sean Hannity and Rachel Maddow are newscasters, that's a problem. They're not. They're entertainers. Yes. And uh, both Fox and MSNBC should label it as opinion, not as news. But they don't do that. No. And they don't want to do that. Is the main problem with social media have to do with the root of all evil money? No. The main problem with social media is not social media itself. The main problem, in my view, with social media is people. Yeah. Uh, they view social media as this one place that they can go and invent their hate, invent their anger. Um, and it shouldn't be that way. Social media could be an extremely valuable tool to help us all get along, to help us advance the society. But right now, it's this big, wild west wasteland of hate. Yeah. And, and part of the problem is we don't have enough good leaders out there to be spreading positive messages. Instead, it's a lot of negativity. It's a lot of hate. It's a lot of fear.
and it comes from the news uh, networks as well too. But it comes from the people, and the, that that is uh, unfortunately those feelings are contagious. And I'll tell you right now, I've had to. Uh, I still post things on Facebook and other social media platforms, but I'm really not scrolling to look at anybody's opinions or what's going on in their life anymore. And I felt for a long time like that was important for me to do. You know, we have access to be able to see these things. But what it's created for me is a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress. And I think some of that has to do with me being an empathetic person, an empath. And I start um, strongly feeling those emotions and thinking about not just my own problems, but what other people are going through throughout the day on top of the news that we're hearing. So um, as much as I want to support people uh, and um, you know follow along, I, I've had to take a step back from that. So... Um, when I talk about the root of all evil money with social media, I'm just wondering when you said something about, uh, you said this at TED Talk, you said that until the advertisers, um, you know, stop making money, until social media stops allowing advertising, it's going to be a lot harder to change. Is that right? Is that, does that make sense? Well, uh, what I, I believe what you're referring to is there was a part of the talk where I noted that media companies are not going to change as long as advertisers continue to spend money with them. Yeah. And uh, we'll go back to Hannity and Maddow. Those are two very highly rated programs. Um, advertisers want to be on them because they want to reach those eyeballs. So neither Fox or MSNBC or any cable outlet, for that matter, uh, has, any uh, has any reason to change. Okay. Money's the ball. Well, money has not been a great contributor for progress, I feel. I think sometimes it hinders it. And so that's the issue that I have. Let's talk about, obviously, the energy situation with oil and what that's done. And I could go on and on within other industries and how money has kind of corrupted uh, the systems. But uh, it's definitely corrupted the, the government at times as well. Uh, I'll, I'll move on though. What news sources? Um, I asked you that question already. Excuse me. Are you optimistic about our future in America? Well, overall, uh, yes. I know a lot of people aren't. Uh, I know a lot of people are fearful. Um, they shouldn't be. Uh, when you go through a period of time like this, at every point in history, it feels like you're the only one that's gone through it. This is only, I mean, this is the first time we've had upheaval and the first time we've had uh, presidents that are tremendously polarizing. No, it's not. It's happened before. Yeah. Uh, and in every instance, uh, we have come out on the other side okay. I think we are going to come out on the other side of this okay. Uh, it might be a little uglier and more painful than some of the other instances in the past. But, you know, I, I don't see anything that indicates we're headed for a societal breakdown or meltdown. Okay, well, as long as we get back stronger, I think that's the most important thing for me. Right. Tell me about your future goals and what you have planned for after COVID-19. Like, for example, do you have any vacation ideas? Oh, I always have vacation I know ideas. you do. <laughs> But, you know, I've kind of put all that stuff on hold because who knows when you're going to be able to travel. Yeah. And, you know, I've gotten, I'm well past the point in life where I'm thinking about a year from now, I'm thinking about 
tomorrow. And COVID-19 is here tomorrow. I can't travel. I'm not going to, I can do other things in the meantime uh, to be as productive as I can. I know there are things that I will do once it's over, but who knows when it's going to be over. Yeah, we don't know that. We have no idea. Well, I'm concerned. School's going to be opening up in a couple of months, and we see climbs of these cases a little bit more than what we saw when it first started, uh, even in, towards the middle of, uh, you know, let's say May. So I'm, I'm definitely concerned. I don't know if everybody else is out there. Uh, it's summertime. People are enjoying the weather and, and trying to ignore wearing masks and protecting themselves. But you know, if this gets worse, we could see ourselves in another lockdown, don't you think? No. I, I don't think we would ever uh, lock down again. And by the way, uh, schools have not decided if they're opening up in... No, uh, they have not. In, in the fall. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think if anybody tried to do another lockdown like we did a few months ago, uh, you are, you're, you're, then you're looking at potential anarchy. Uh, people just wouldn't stand for it. The business owners wouldn't stand for it. People wouldn't stand for it. They would be out in the streets doing what they're going to do anyway. Uh, there'd probably be legal challenges against shutdown for the second time. I, I just don't. Even if there is a big wave in our area, I still don't see uh, the governor trying to shut anything down anymore. That, that, that would just be disastrous, in my opinion. You're right. It would destroy small business, and we really can't have that because they've suffered enough already. What are some of your favorite hobbies right now? Uh, you mentioned them. Uh, cooking, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, writing music, uh, drinking bourbon, um, you know, that kind of stuff. Writing, I do freelance writing. I mean, I mean, writing like news stories and such, right. and editing. Uh, so I got plenty to do. Cool. Well, I would love to have you come on and do a song for us. There's one that I think um, I sang for you, and it's the song about Dayton and the shops closing up at five. Do you are, do you know what I'm talking about? I do know what you're talking about, and I even forgot that I wrote that. <laughs> it's a great song. It's a great song. But. Uh, if you want to, get on my Ray Plays Piano page and take a look at the video that I did on uh, George Floyd and everybody. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to post that uh, right. for sure. G give me some uh, cooking ideas that you recommend. Just like, you know, what's your favorite thing to cook right now? What's What are you passionate about food-wise? I like uh, being creative because uh, if you're going to cook, why not be creative? So the other day I made this uh, chicken avocado caprese uh, with uh, some buttered up squash fritters. Pretty good. Oh, yeah. That sounds great. Pretty good. Yeah. But for anybody interested in cooking, just take it slow, take it easy, make what you like. And have fun. It's have not, fun. not going to come out good unless you put some love and fun into it. Cooking should not be stressful. We're looking at this one. If it doesn't come out good, you can always save it somehow. Right. There you go. That's that's the positive outlook we need, Ray. And uh, listen to some music while you're cooking. That's something listen I to music. Yeah. Steely Dan. I've been listening to a lot of Steely Dan. I don't oh, know yeah. why. Steely Dan movie. Jazz is what I go to. That's my first uh, genre when I'm cooking. Uh, you know, there there's a few that I have to go to, and it's 
Miles Davis. He's got an album called Cooking, which is really great. Uh, Thelonious Monk, Monk's Dream, is probably my favorite album of his. Um, Pat Metheny, I listen to a lot. Uh, so yeah, there's there's a handful. John Coltrane, but um, Monk is my favorite. When I'm if I'm not listening to Steely Dan, Monk is my favorite. And then when I'm uh, uh, like uh, grading papers or something, I'll put on a symphony. Okay. Like Rachmaninoff second. Sure. Uh, and because it's nice, it's easy, it's soothing. Sarah's, don't. I mean, you and I are the same when it comes to music. Don't get stuck on one genre. No, no. There's too much good stuff out there. You're right, and it, just like anything, it gets old. Everything gets old after a while. I don't care how good it is, and it's great to be fresh and, and hear something that maybe isn't popular, maybe isn't a ten or, or even an eight on the one to ten scale. But it's just that experience of hearing something new. Gosh, recorded music, as you know, is such a passion of mine. To be able to hear something that was done uh, in, in a, at a time in a house or a studio, uh, unbeknownst to you, is just really thrilling. It's a simple thrill, but uh, I'll never it'll never get old for me. Now, by the way, if you haven't heard Disturbs' "Sound of Silence," might be the best song in the last ten years. Disturbed. Wow. Disturb is a heavy metal group. Yes. I'm familiar with them. I can't believe that they did that song. They did The Sound of Silence. Do yourself a favor and listen to that. You will be absolutely blown away about how good that is. I could not believe it. Wow. I'm going to do that right when I get off here. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Ray, thanks for talking to me. I hope we can do this again. You've been really insightful. Um, Again, you're, you're a great leader in Dayton, and we need your voice. So um, hope you have a good Friday, a good weekend. Thanks, man. You too. Take it easy. See you. Bye.